0: We appreciate you being here. We don't have music this morning, partly because uh, Judah couldn't be here today, and I just didn't go find somebody else to do it, because I wanted to hear from these, these men, okay? And I say that, I, I don't have a man agenda, and I don't have a woman agenda. I want everybody to hear this. I have one agenda in this place, and that's Jesus Christ. And so today, and I've said this uh, in the last few weeks, uh, today I have this group of men that honestly, uh, there was it, was, it was kind of a bizarre thing. And it wasn't bizarre, it was a God thing. But I was going to meet with Matt Tolley and talk about how we break all this out, Romans, if I'm not going to teach. And so we went to El Emporium, and lo and behold, there was Luke Dunnick and Ryan McCall sitting there having lunch. And we just plopped down, and we all four just kind of plotted this out. So um, we thought the question and answer thing would be great. I'm doing a question and answer with these seven men here today. uh, Because somehow, someway, they've got some stories that I wanted to unpack with you. And they've probably been through a Roman study uh, of some sort. But they've all got their own stories. Um, Next month, after we finish chapter 5, I have a group of young adults coming up here. Both guys and girls coming up here. They will be in their 20s. I think even Seth is... How old are you, Seth? 18 is coming up here. But I want you to hear how the young adults have learned through Romans and their identity in Christ. And then in the month of May, when we're done with chapter 6, on Mother's Day, I'm going to have a group of mothers up here. So it may look like all we let up here is men. That is not the case. (laughs) Uh, So that is not the case. And then uh, we also talked about, Uh, Who was going to teach? And honestly, uh, our one woman teacher that is teaching, has been teaching Romans and everything else, is uh, Shannon Cox. And Shannon is going to teach one of these Sundays. So just take off the table that we have an agenda up here. All right? If you want to ask me my opinion, my opinion, it, Brandon. Glad you can make it. What time is it? Nine nineteen. We've taken four minutes off of your time. Get get up here. Uh, you asked me my opinion. What I believe Scripture says, and what it, it, it what the Bible really leads us to believe is that the man is the leader, of, spiritual leader of the house. It doesn't mean the man is better than the woman or anything else like that. It's just the appointed role that God has given the man, it's not always that case, uh, but I believe that that is the situation that doesn't have anything to do with these men being up here today. It's just, these are the the guys that we're using today, and God's going to do an incredible thing. So what I asked them to do over the last four weeks in preparation as we've gone through Romans, and get up here and sit by Brent, if you squeeze up here, make you get up here awkwardly, uh, is to listen to those men, which was Dave Oltoff and Keith Tyner and Doug Shreve and Ryan McCall, they taught Romans 1-4, through take notes, ask questions, let's process the questions, and then I want to be able to ask you questions uh, about Romans. So let's get into this, because uh, it's going to take some time. The first question, uh, Al, I believe that you brought up was in chapter 1, verse 17, which I believe Dave pretty much said was the, the theme of all of Romans. Romans 1.17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul actually quoted one of the prophets of the Old Testament, Habakkuk, with that last line, the righteous will live by faith. And now you ask the question, how is it that righteousness of God is? is revealed in the gospel? Uh, That's a great question because in the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, the righteousness was presented by works. And now all of a sudden, Paul's saying righteousness is presented by faith. What you're seeing right here at this table is the righteousness of God in this very room is the righteousness of God. Not necessarily in words as much as it is actions. Look, I would much rather let people see me live my life with the God of the universe in control of my life than to sit here and talk about it. I'd rather let it just be on display. I was having this discussion with Michelle driving home last night or the night before um, and just talked about uh, are we the light of the world or is it Jesus is the light of the world in us? And I'm like, God sees us as righteous. Watch this. Most churches will say that. God sees us as righteous. But most churches won't say this. God sees us as righteous because he made us righteous. They'll say God sees you as righteous because of what Jesus did. But what Jesus did is he made you righteous. Don't sit there and think there's a Jesus filter in front of you. And that everybody sees Jesus, then you behind Jesus. No, he made you righteous already. It's not that you have to die and receive righteousness. You've been made righteous. That's not my opinion. That's what the Scripture says. And so when you ask the question, how is it that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel? I believe it's revealed right here in this room today. It's through faith of the believers and we, we see it. Does that answer your question? Does that? Okay, go ahead.
1: No. Hello. Are we on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they got you. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. It's all right on. You know, Rusty's kind of like Matt Tully. Everything goes to Grace and our identity, uh, which is where you went with Correct. that. Uh, you know, I, I asked this question, but I did a little research on my own and and and, and kind of figured out the an answer. For it kind of figured out an answer and uh, you know what I see is the righteousness of God being revealed in the in the gospel is that God is holy he must judge sin and a just act took place on the cross Uh, his righteousness or rightness was revealed when he judged sin uh, uh, through his sinless son so it it was you know it was the gospel Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins that demonstrated the rightness of God and that he is a holy God and he can't look on, he can't look on sin.
0: Absolutely, totally agree with that. That is, that is the point of salvation, right? You'll agree with me on that. And again, every church will teach the point of salvation, that Jesus died for our sins and you can be saved. I'm going even beyond that and saying, "Man, there's a whole abundant life after that point of salvation. The point of salvation is amazing, but living and walking and breathing with the Holy Living God in a room of people that are doing the same thing is even more amazing. And if the church never realizes that, we're walking around with it's like the gift we received a gift and we never turn it on, like." You you have to, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. We got to go on. Uh, Romans chapter two, this is interesting. My sister, uh, Heidi in Tulsa, after Keith spoke on chapter one and 10 seconds on chapter two. uh, (laughs) She said, I need more explanation of Romans chapter two, verses five through 10 sometimes. So let me read five through 11. Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. I believe that verse right there. There's Pharisees that are not believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul is literally writing this letter to the people, both Jews and Gentiles. The Jews aren't believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And they've chosen... They've chosen not to believe that. And he says, because of your unrepentance and your hardened heart, it's just become harder. So he's literally talking to those who, who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Then verse 6, he says, he will repay each one according to his works. That's a form of judgment. Eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He's literally saying those that do what we're doing, just living our life. James says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. I think that we, the church focuses on being doers. But he says, but be. But be. If you just be, your actions and all the things that you do, knowing what you know and everything else, will play out, and the byproduct will be these things that he speaks about right here. So those who are representing these actions, these actions are those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he has literally sent a spirit to live inside of them, and he's doing this for them and through them. And so he's talking about two different groups of people so far. He says, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth, while obeying unrighteousness. So there's those that believe and those who don't believe. If you believe, the Spirit's going to cause you to act according to the Spirit. If you don't believe, you're going to act according to your own selfish flesh. There will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for there is no favoritism with God. What he's basically saying there is the Jews thought they had it all. They were the one, they're God's chosen people. They were the elect. But now he's saying the Gentiles can partake in this as well. And because of that, the mystery of God is this, is that there's it's not divided by Jews and Gentiles anymore. It's not divided by males and females anymore. It's not divided by the rich and poor anymore. It's none of that. He says there is no favoritism with God. So, Heidi, that's my explanation. Uh, Brandon, you said in the study in Romans chapter two. Do you want to just like ask that question, or do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. Here's it's on.
2: Um,
3: First of all, I apologize for walking in late everybody it's all good (laughs) I know it's all good so I just it's you know it's one of those things um so the question says uh in Romans 2 verse 13 talks about doers of the law and how this can be misconstrued with if we do good things and then in uh, quotes I put good works this results in God justifying us or looking better upon us I know that the only thing that matters is that Jesus died one time on the cross one time only so I think the question really is as we as as I have um walked this journey so far is I still kind of get into that mentality that if I do good things you know oh a good day will happen or you know kind of generalities like that so I think it's getting into a spiritual mindset of of more of, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter, right? I know when I truly am in tune with the spirit, like on Friday mornings with Luke and our guys, and just we're in tune, um, man, I am i couldn't be more in line with not worrying about my fleshly actions. It's just kind of when I get out into the real world. So I just kind of asked the question based on the study is that that is, you know, I think it's misconstrued in terms of, you know, we're we're trying to act good in terms of us being, it's like a scoreboard, right? Right. Yeah, the mental scoreboard.
0: But it, it goes back to what we were saying previously, too, is that if you were walking by the Spirit, then your actions are just going to be the byproduct of that. And you don't really have to focus on the actions where, I, I, I know this is on YouTube, but I had a friend that asked me to uh, endorse his book this week that just came out. And he's one of my college friends. It's a pastor. And I got the book last week and I said to Michelle, I can't endorse it because if my, my people here at Levner see me endorsing a book about doing things, it ain't going to be good. <laughs> uh, if it was an endorsement about being who you are in Christ, which leads to doing things, that's a whole different subject. But to go out and say, here's the 10 things that you need to do as a Christian that's what I grew up with, and that's the the, the treadmill that I jumped off of. Yeah. And now I rest. I I, st- I still do. I still do lots of things, but it's more of His strength through me. You had a, another question at the bottom of that that is probably uh, like more accusatory and more. Do you remember what it was?
3: Um.
0: That if you if you. Yeah. If you have a man or a woman that has a good heart uh, and does good things, yet does yeah. not have a relationship in Christ, it hurts my heart to think that the person will be thrown in the lake of fire yes. based upon a revelation. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah.
3: So, I mean, I think this is, like, I have some friends of mine that, um, and I'll just, honestly, they're of the Jewish faith, right? And I'm really good friends with them. I mean, I love them. They're great people. They do great things, and they have huge hearts. I mean... The biggest hearts that you can find, and it, and I struggle with that. Thinking to myself, like I know their 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 beliefs, and it's hard for me to understand how can that person, in based on that, you know, scripture, go that path. I mean, it's hard for me even to say it out loud. That that's, I mean, it's, you can hear me kind of fumbling with it.
0: Yeah, Southern Baptists uh, got in trouble for that one time because they wanted to evangelize the Jews. Uh, and everybody's like, just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. You know that that whole thing. And, and it, it's tough because uh, it's true. They probably are good people and have good morals and good values. But the scripture is the scripture, and it says uh, it says Jesus is the way. Yeah. It's not based upon what you do. Based upon the, it, it's just there was a savior that came a Messiah that came and really they've waited for it all along. Uh, and they go back to chapter two. And the question Heidi asked is they chose to have unrepentant hearts. I mean, we can look at the scripture now and go, man, it's so evident. Why can't they see it? Why? I mean, all the prophecies are fulfilled. Boom, 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 check, 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 check. It's all right there. Why can't they see it? And I think I, I think probably uh, we ask the same question in this room. Is like, you've got a lot of people that are out there playing church and doing religion. And you, you feel like you know something pretty special about the message that's been revealed to you, hopefully, in this room. Why can't they see that? Why are they on the treadmill? Why can't they get off the treadmill? Why... And it's because that's what we grew up with. It took me a long time, you know. Keith uh, poured into me for over a year, and just uh, going through um, situational crisis, I had to like rethink things and, and redo things in it, and literally go into him and say, "Okay, you're right, and I'm wrong." Yeah, I, re- I remember. I bring this up quick. I remember my one of my first discussions with Rusty
3: when we met. Um, we sat down and one of the first questions he asked me was, is how many times do you think Jesus will die on the cross for you? And I said, I don't know, probably as many times as I need him to, <laughs> which was the wrong answer to give him, right? <laughs> uh, what, but, but it was great because I just think it was, you know, my, you know, my spiritual understand this has grown so much, but it was just raw because that's what I had in my mind. And the way I grew up, and I know we'll probably talk a little bit about this just as we go on, but um that's just what i thought and so we man we unpacked that for probably gosh i don't know uh. a few breakfasts and lunch but it, it, it's honestly, i mean i today man i just i was thinking about this this morning i just believe i know lou probably laughs at me because we talk about this a lot on on friday mornings but it, it's it's just it's just what's revealed to me and um it's answered so many questions it's calmed me down so much my anxiety level is completely different my Twisted up thoughts are completely different, but they still happen. You know, just like that question right. that was just posed.
0: You, you also ask a question uh, in Romans chapter three, verse four. Paul writes, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. What does this statement communicate? Well, if you read further on down, it goes to Romans three twenty three. for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's basically saying we're all in the same boat. We all inherited the, the sin nature of Adam. It's natu- it was natural for us to sin when we were born. And therefore, we're all in the same. But then that also takes me to the question, Al, that you asked, uh, Romans 3.23, what is the glory of God uh, that's spoken of in that verse and that all have fallen short of? Did you do research on this too? <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: Rusty, I want you to go first.
0: All right. Okay. I don't think it's a thing. I don't think that the glory of God is a thing, and it's actually very difficult to describe. It is the greatness. It is the beauty. It is the perfection of a loving God. And somehow, some way, that has taken up residence inside of me like you know the if you did the roman study that bob takes the glory of god that was in the burning bush that Moses spoke to and then it was in the clouds and the fire by night and day and if they followed that glory of god and then it was in the temple that Solomon built and it was in the holy of holies and then all of a sudden it was just gone that glory of god And then when Jesus was born in Luke chapter two, lo and behold, the glory of God came upon the earth in the form of baby Jesus. And he lived and was crucified. Returned to heaven once we believe that glory of God is now inside of you. Really? (laughs) Just all that is right here. That's, that's just crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. And again, if the church doesn't understand that, we just walk around like, hey, you know, good people, let's be on committees and do things and make, help people. And, but if you walk around and you look in this room and go, man, the glory of God's and all these people, it causes you to respond differently to them. Yeah. yeah, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I agree totally. You hit it, man, right on the head. Uh, John one fourteen, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory is the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth the word we're talking about Jesus absolutely Jesus is the glory and he dwells in each one of us so the glory in, is in us you know it used to you know the cloud and the fire in the old testament it lives in us today
4: through, amen through Jesus amen
0: uh in chapter three, Doug spoke of righteousness and justification that we now have. And it would cause you to ask the question, which the Pharisees asked at that time, uh, doesn't that lead to a license to sin? Doesn't that just lead to a license? To, like you've, you've literally heard me say before, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. The Pharisees asked the same question, so it's okay for you to ask that question. Does, does just saying that you're already ju- all your sins are justified, that you're already redeemed, that you're already forgiven, can you just go out and do whatever you want? Absolutely you can. But if you understand what my Savior did on the cross, if you understand that His blood was poured out, if you understand all that He did for us, your want-tos change. He changes your want-tos. You don't change your want-tos. He changes your want-tos. Like He literally says, I've taken your old sinful heart, heart of stone and removed it, and I've put this heart of flesh in it, and now your want-tos change. Yeah, you can still... I've taken care of it all, but you can go out and... Eat might enjoy it for a little while, but eventually it's, it's not going to be that great. Uh, and then in chapter four, Ryan, Ryan kept talking about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant rather than the Old Testament and the New Testament. What's the difference? Uh, well, there's a big difference is obviously in this this book right here, you have an Old Testament and New Testament. That's what you grew up with, and that's what most people refer to it as. But in here, you'll hear us refer to it as the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was that God gave us the Ten Commandments and He gave us the law. He put everything up there, how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to act and not do things. And Keith talked about it, having a conscience in Chapter 2. But they could not fulfill the law. They kept breaking the law It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, and even, you know, I I say this all the time, you know, Jesus came along and he even ramped up what the Pharisees doubled up on. Jesus ramped it up. He, and then I think, I don't know if it was Ryan or Doug or somebody, but talked about uh, the traveling salesman that came along and said, what do I have to do to get to heaven? I've obeyed all the law. Yeah, right, whatever. Whatever. And Jesus basically said, Sell everything that you've got. I want everything. He raised the bar as high as he could, and this man walked away. And he did that right before Jesus went to the cross because Jesus says, We've shown you all these years through the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and most of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John until it gets to the cross that you cannot do this in your own strength. So therefore, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to send the Spirit to come live in your life. And if you will submit to that Spirit, if you will listen, if you will obey that Spirit, He will do everything for you. It's the only way you can fulfill the law. Is just let me live your life for you. And the church has a hard time figuring that out. Uh, Chris, you ready? Um, You're going through kind of a hard season, family-wise, health-wise, things like that. I'm not going to ask for specifics unless you share it. But how does what you know from this study impact you directly during this time use the microphone there
2: it just uh like with my dad and the cancer
0: they don't um, know the whole story Okay.
2: so my dad is uh just went through chemo and radiation he's got throat cancer so um, he's out of that now Putting back on the weight getting ready to have his esophagus removed and um, got a good group around him so that's good but it's been a struggle never even really grew up seeing my dad sick but we also didn't grow up with any of this Um, so I really didn't have anything to learn when it came to this stuff but what it gives me honestly is just a piece Um, I don't live life looking for death but I don't fear death anymore I don't fear it for my family I don't fear it for any of my friends that I know um, that are with him right so lost family members in the past young sisters things like that but what I've learned through this is that um, if you're in him, it's a better thing, right? So life's great, um, and we should live life abundantly here. I think that was the fear and the worry about my past was like, hey, I can't walk a straight line. If I'm going to be miserable, I don't need to try to follow this and be miserable too. I can do that on my own. Um, so I quit worrying about all that stuff. But I've really learned from this and everything that I'm going through too is that it's not about me, it's about him. And like I said, I have a comfort in knowing that at the end of the day, the, we, win the, we win the battle. Right, right, right. So where we're going is a great spot, and I don't fear that. Now, does my selfishness say, yeah, I still want my dad here and I still want my family here? Right. Yeah, but we've had those conversations, and uh, again, I don't go looking for it. I'm not jumping off cliffs without parachutes and stuff like that just to try to get there. But um,
0: You didn't always believe that, though. At, no. what, at what point did, what, what was the process to get you there?
2: Uh, the Roman study was a big process for me. I didn't grow up with religion. We didn't, we didn't go to church. We didn't pray. Um, because of, when I was talking to you guys, it, I don't even know if we had a Bible in the house. I'm sure we had a family Bible somewhere. But we didn't have all this. If we were going to church, it was because I was going to Bible study for a week so my mom could have a break or needed not to pay babysitting for the week. So we just didn't do it. Um, so I didn't have to unpack a lot of the other stuff. All I knew was that God loved me wherever I learned that from. My family was a family of love um, and was always helping people. So my mom would give her the shirt off the back to help somebody. And that's all I ever saw. So I saw good things. um, But we didn't study the Bible, so I didn't have to unfigure the laws and the rules. And as I got older and started seeing church, I was like, those are all, I mean, I, I love people, but I can't follow the rules. I'm not a good rule follower. So if I have to follow the rules, it's probably not going to work out for me. So why try? So I'll just go down my own path, and then I come to figure this out that it's it's not. Quit worrying about what you're doing wrong, quit focusing on that, and just focus on Him.
0: Yeah, because one of the verses that you touched on in our discussions was Romans eight one. Uh, you want to speak on that or?
2: It's kind of the one that really drew me in because if. There's, it just seems like the churches want to push a lot of judgment and a lot of um, do better, do better, do better. But if I'm truly loved, and he says, Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, then he's not condemning me for what I'm doing. He's just loving me through what I'm doing. Oh, so, God. Um, and if that's such good news, I mean, it, why would he be up there condemning me? That's not the good news. I had that growing up. Mm. That was called parents. <laughs> uh, yeah. i've got a father that loves me just the way and my dad and mom loved me i'm not saying they didn't i spent a lot of time grounded and over a knee but um because i earned those just like i make choices now that i'm sure that i earned the consequences that come across that but that's not who i am and that's not what that's not what people see in me
0: uh one of the things that you said that i think most of the well, not most, but a lot of people in this room can relate to is I'm not a biblical scholar and trust that loving him and others with all my heart is what I'm supposed to do. It looks good some days, ugly others, and just not sure days, but what I don't do is stay in that. How do you get out of that?
2: Um, it's not easy all the time, right? We're we're human. Um, you make mistakes and it's just like being able to say you're sorry, right? So I mean, at the end of the day, if, if Karen and I have a disagreement and I say something I shouldn't, because it's not her ever saying anything she shouldn't, but it's just usually me. <laughs> um, it's owning up to that and apologizing. So it's the same thing, just apologizing to God is kind of, but I mean, if you dwell on it, and I guess this is the part that I'm still getting better at, because I, I do speak impulsively and think impulsively, but I've gotten better. Uh, I, I give myself a time frame now where I walk away from a situation if I can, but it's still just owning up, saying I'm sorry. It's not what I meant. I love you and moving on. And it's the same thing. It's just trying to give that up to God. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll end up just like you always say. Don't focus on the the sin. If you say don't focus on something, well, if that's all you dwell on, it will take over, and that's all you'll know. Right, right. So it's it's really getting away from that. I can't normally change it. So I've just learned to be able to let it go, and I don't worry about stuff as much as I used to. I don't. I can't control it. It's not my problem.
0: Right on. All right, pass that to David. You're on the hot seat now. Okay. Oh, yeah, father, this is father-in-law interjecting here.
1: Well, that's what I wanted to interject. I just wanted everybody not to be confused or not know that this man right here is my son-in-law, and I'm really, really proud of him.
0: That is uh that's Al right there. He's. He is a encourager of all the people in this room. David, um, you came to understand this. You, you started coming here and hanging out. I've known David since he was...
5: Still the same height I am now. Though.
0: No. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> uh, but you started coming here and hanging out, and then all of a sudden you built a relationship with one person you want to uh, unpack who that person is and uh, what you've how it's impacted your life
5: yeah so everybody knows everybody know dale speckman <laughs> he's a lot cooler than the me, music so guy yeah. yeah so if you think he wears his heart on his sleeve mine's like the bat signal in the gotham sky like i i shine it out there so if dale I, is your I, uncle yeah by the way if i ugly cry i apologize ahead of time <laughs> So, it's bad. It's like, yeah, it's real bad. So, um, I did the Roman study, but I, I learned the most just hanging out. With, uh, good, you're good. <laughs> That's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with with Big Micah. Um, this is even worse than I thought. Um, and... Um, I was a real wreck because I always knew, like when I went and hung out with you at Northside, I kind of went, I thought it was like a country club, you know, they had a gym and you could go hang out and there was nice people never really understood. And then when I was old enough to say, Hey, I don't want to go to church. Um, I remember thinking like, um, oh wow, that, that team God looks pretty cool. Too bad I'm not on the team, you know. So um, I always, like, admired the players and the coach, uh, but never, never, didn't even try out. Um, Then I, when I met Micah, I realized that.
0: You're talking about Micah Langmack.
5: Yeah, sorry. Man, this is bad. Um, I realized that everybody gets to play. There is no tryout. And, uh, so that was awesome hanging out with Micah, what I learned too, but shout out to Rob Bell. It wasn't a hinge moment. I kept waiting for the one time that we would have breakfast or lunch and I'd be like, Oh, that, that's how you do it. Right. That's how, that's how it works. But hanging out with Micah and going through the Roman study, I learned like, instead of a hinge moment, um, it's more like a slow drip. Like you, I kept trying to lead with behavior, I kept trying to, you know, I didn't even tell you this, but man, how Rusty lives his life, how Cle- Keith lives his life, how Micah, and I kept chasing that that shiny object, uh, thinking that, man, I'll eventually get to where those guys are if I keep changing my behavior, and then... Over time, hanging with Micah, like I said, it wasn't over time, but I started believing like, ah, you don't really have to change the behavior. I just have to like, Micah's favorite, big Micah's favorite word is rest. Um, His email is even rest.grace at Gmail. So, um, so everybody email him. It'll be funny. But, um, but his favorite word is rest and I'm the opposite of rest. Would you say that Elliot? (laughs) I'm the opposite of rest. (laughs) Um, so he, he is, uh, he has taught me to rest in the good word. Um, and, uh, I've got notes here, but he, uh, yeah, I just, so Ryan McCall talked about attempting and giving up, attempting and giving up. And so in my journey, <laughs> who's ever started a diet, like pigged out on Saturday, I'm going to start on Monday and then, and then Wednesday comes. And you're like, oh, shoot, I messed up. Well, I'm going to keep messing up, and I'm going to restart on Monday. And then you mess up again. I'm going to restart. And that's kind of, I was doing that as I was having these meetings or, you know, hanging out with Micah, and I kept restarting. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to start living that Christian life. And over time, I realized, like, you don't even have to restart. Like, you stub your toe. He doesn't care. It's already done. And so once once I really, even though I was told that, once I really believe that is when I really notice a change. Mm. I black out when I'm up here. I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> uh, I go home and listen to it. <laughs> hope, hopefully that made a little bit of sense. Uh, Keith spoke about consciousness. Is Keith here? Yeah, he's in the back. I've learned so much from Keith. Um, the evil one woke me up at 3 a.m. last night. And I remember Keith saying, the evil one gets you between 3 and 3.30, I think he said. Um, and he tried to tell me, like, hey, call Rusty, tell him you're sick, tell him you didn't sleep <laughs> enough, because I'm terrified to be up here right now. But um, Keith spoke about consciousness, and I thought it was really interesting how when he said um, when Adam chose, chose the wrong tree that he gained consciousness. And I, man, I haven't stopped thinking about that since Keith said that, and... Um, at, at my work, I do training and we talk about being consciously incompetent to being consciously competent to being unconsciously competent. And I think about that with my faith. At first, I knew that I knew nothing, right? And so I found Micah. And almost the most dangerous point of my transition was being consciously competent. When I learned the word, but didn't really, I had a conscious about it, so to speak. So like I learned the more about the Bible. I learned more about Christ, but I was overthinking it. And I I, I was um, again, focusing on behavior and I was in that consciously competent phase. But as you learn to know him more, you become unconsciously competent. And I think about Jordan when he was shooting against the trailblazers in that playoff game and he shot the last three and he looked at the crowd and just said, he didn't even know how he was doing it. He was just unconsciously competent. And I feel like that's where I'm trying to be with my faith, where just forget about it you know keith and ryan and doug they all talked about walking by faith just like just walk by faith and let the rest settle
0: you done good bud you done good uh i have to tell a quick story because you talk about big micah uh, but that was the, probably the longest hospital visit that i ever did was when uh micah was born because i went in there when they had already been released from the hospital but they couldn't go until they named their child so I'm sitting in there trying to help them name their child. Literally, I couldn't leave until they had a name for this kid. And they were we went through flashcards, and here's his list of names, her list of names, and I'm like...
5: So you made us leave the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. You made me leave the
0: room. But uh, eventually, they thought about the one guy that like had the most impact on their lives, and they named their child Micah, which is pretty cool to... Pretty cool to think about. Um,
5: yeah, I purposely didn't talk more about Micah because I it was going to get ugly there. I so I love the uh, man.
0: Pass that down to Greg here. Oh, okay, uh, Greg, uh, you've known this stuff for a long time. Uh, you want to talk about your experience in coming to know your identity in Christ versus oh, yeah. just yeah. doing church? Oh yeah, my goodness. So
4: I I have to start and say you know it's interesting over the last couple of weeks as different people, men and ladies, have stood up and talked about their where they've come from. And one thing that just hits me, you know, there's there's nothing new under the sun. You know, sometimes you know some people stood up and I'm like, oh wow, that's my story too. You know, I I grew up in a going to the Methodist church. My father loved the Lord. My mother loved the Lord. You know, my grandmother almost became a missionary. Um, and uh, my, my father, credible role model, was uh, a type of person who was so intense. And when he starts a project, he stayed with it. And I'll tell you, if there is anybody who could have been excommunicated from the Methodist church, it would probably have been him. He came up to the line almost a couple of times. He had people frustrated with him. But he was so intent on completing a project, you know, nothing stood in his way, whether people got frustrated with him, but he always kept Christ in front. And, uh, you, know, you know, with that said, uh, started going to Northside and, uh, you know, heard a com- little bit completely different story than what you hear at the Methodist church. But I can't remember, uh, probably back in the late 90s or early 2000s, Keith came up to me and we started taking road trips down to Hardin, Kentucky. And this stuff just started getting unpacked in front of Bob, you know, and I got to know Bob, and um, it was incredible. You know, it was, was, um, I think, you know, Chris talked about, you know, growing up, You know, even in my household, you know, I guess in the back of my mind, I really felt God was a God of wrath, and oh man, everything that I did, you know, every time I turned around, I'm like, well, I think I've just lost my, you know, my faith, or I just lost, you know, my relationship with with God from decisions. I was not much of a rule follower. I went to a military academy and I hated the rules there, and so I kind of did some of my own stuff. But, uh, you know, then but that's what the Bible was to me. It was a lot of rules that you had to follow. And, you know, when Bob started unpacking Romans, it really made a lot of sense. The old Testament made more sense. The old covenant made more sense. The New covenant made more sense. And uh, I like the term rest. You know, that is an awesome term because that's, I began to not worry about so much the things that I do, but more living by faith. And uh, And having that rest and um, it is humbling you know I uh, looking out over the audience knowing that you know there's a lot of people that have Christ in them that have that glory in them and you know we are one in the same. Greg how's
0: how's uh, what you know now impacted uh, raising your kids and marriage and the whole thing? I think um, one of the
4: things, you know, my my wife believes in Christ and has kind of the same, you know, thought process. I think it's relaxed me more, you know, understanding, um, you know, especially I can't really say this about my kids or my wife, but, you know, seeing those people that do not know this or do not, do not have Christ mm-hmm. in their life, I think I'm more relaxed and respectful of their thoughts and ideas because they really don't have anything to base their thoughts and ideas on.
0: You know, so, I mean, I have... That makes you sound kind of arrogant.
4: <laughs> I don't mean to sound arrogant, no. No, that's...
0: I'm just saying, but that's the way, <laughs> that's the way we come across is like, and you teach us that we know something that you don't know. And I know that's right. not what you're right. saying, but there is kind of a, a revelation that comes along, right? right. That,
4: I guess I see people just struggling with rules and guidelines and laws. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, I feel more relaxed. And then I see these people that, you know, uh, are just so frustrated with, Um, religion, and it just, I see them falling away from their faith, or falling away from, because they're trying to practice religion. And I'm not talking about necessarily about Christianity, it could be anything, you know, and it's, and I just feel, okay, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with where I am, Um, how can I show them that?
0: Yeah, I I think it's interesting, because when you, when this does become apparent to your identity, and rest, and all that, You want to go out and tell everybody you know it's like i'm get everybody and then you realize that it kind of like backfires because no one wants to believe what you Mm -hmm. believe and then you get to the point where you hear it and then your your stomach just kind of and that's really at the the point where when i hear the law and stuff like that the mix of law and grace and stuff i I just feel sorry i feel sorry for him it's not like it's not like I'm better, I'm not better than them. It right. doesn't have anything to do with salvation, it doesn't have anything to do with, it's just, I'm free. Right. I'm free from all that stuff that I once experienced and, and once lived and...
4: You know, I I still, I know we've had these conversations on, you know, rules or guidelines, you know, especially within your own family, and I still believe, I think you do need to have rules and guidelines for your children as they're growing up. Um. But when they're little and they make some decisions that it's like, "What? why'd you do that? You know, or why are you making this kind of decision? You know, and um, you try to guide them along the way. You want to see them have the spirit, which, you know, in time, if you can be the right model, you know, they
5: right.
4: hopefully that, that comes along. But, uh, yeah, I, at the time when they're really little making these decisions, it's like, okay, we'll work through that,
0: right. you know. Okay, Al, pick up the mic. Uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, you've done this Christian walk for a while, and now you've come to understand and see something a little bit different at your age, whatever that age is. Uh, you want to talk talk to us about your little journey? That age is 74, and I'm proud of it. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: my, uh, the, you know, you met my son-in-law next to me here. Well, my daughter is back in the crowd there, Kara, with my uh, a granddaughter, Chloe. I wish they were a little closer. I'd love to have them up front because they are a part of my story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm 74 years old, so I've, you know, I've been around and, and seen a lot of stuff. Uh, not only in my life, but in, but in other people's lives so over the years. Whoops, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, let me get into this, Rusty, so yeah. I don't take up uh, the rest of the time.
0: Yeah, we still have Brandon to go. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> we need to hear that story for sure. Um, uh, uh, but uh, Paul starts out in Romans in, in verse 5 by saying that he, re- that, that he received grace and apostleship through Christ. Uh, you know, th- th- what we do here at, at Leavener is, is teach, the, is preach the gospel of grace. True? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God's grace, though, did more than save Paul. You know, the road to Damascus story. You've all heard of, of his conversion experience. But it also empowered Paul to serve as an apostle. This is all going to relate to me eventually. Uh, if, we, if, if we choose to receive grace on a moment-by-moment basis, Jesus will empower us to live our lives accordingly in obedience to him, to his spirit. And Paul tells us that, that it wasn't him that labored, but the grace of God with him that did the work. And the same can be true for us. We don't have to labor. We just need to exercise the you know use that grace that that's available to us in in our lives so okay here here you know th- this will come into play in my story um uh, my salvation experience uh goes back a lot of years uh 1976 proud of that too 76 most of you weren't even around in 1976 you know i was looking around earlier for some friendly faces you know it's always have a it's always good to have a friendly face when you're standing in front of a group, and you know what, every face out there is pretty darn friendly. Mm. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate that. That makes it. Doesn't it, it, David? Yeah. Make,
2: I blacked out. I couldn't see faces.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, David said he blacked out. He couldn't see faces. So, uh, but they all they are all very. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. um So go back to 1976, My my salvation came about through a crisis. Uh, I was married to a a lovely lady, Kara's mother, Uh, uh, sweet spirit, uh, loved her kids, loved others. um, uh, But her husband, me, was not meeting her needs. And uh, as a result, she fell in love with another man and we ultimately divorced. And, but that was all by design because that was the crisis in my life that was needed for me, for God to get my attention, okay? For God to get my attention. And, because in that time, I, I saw that I had indeed fallen short uh, of, of, of the glory of, of God and, and, that I, and, and that I was a sinner in, in need of a savior. And uh, it, in, in a moment, all by myself, I just, I just cried out to Jesus for help. And, uh, and he came and met me right there, and he saved me right there. He removed, in that instance, my old heart and put in a new heart. I was born again. Uh, at, that was the word they used back in the 70s, born again. <laughs> you don't hear it too much today. But um, um, uh, uh, that was the beginning you know uh, from from that point on i did uh, you know I was a bible going or a bible church going believer, studied the bible, uh, but over 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 some significant period of time, I actually married twice more and divorced twice more over that period of time and dealt with uh, a couple of addictions uh, over that period of time, leading up to not very long ago, um, uh, and um, there was an event that uh, brought into play what we teach here at Lebanon, and I've been learning over the last several years it's taken time for it to sink in, but it 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 it, it finally is it did um, you know uh, and, and it came about like I said. Due to my fellowship among Leavener people, I meet with a men's Bible group group on, on Friday mornings. Uh, I've developed other, other relationships outside of that with, with other members of the Leavener here. And just being around you people that uh, demonstrate the love of Christ and uh, how you interact with others helped me tremendously. And finally brought me to a place where I was sitting at a table with 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 the guys on, on Friday morning. And Matt was going through his little hurricane story. If you've ever heard it, you know the hurricane. You got the eye and then you get the swirling winds around the, and some of the winds pull you into the future and cause anxiety. Some of the winds pull you into the past and, and bring on condemnation and guilt. Uh, it was the condemnation and guilt that got my attention in, in that story. And all of a sudden I just bored it out I've been married three times and had to deal with a couple of addictions. That, that's all I said. I didn't go into any detail, and really, none of the guys sitting there went into any kind of <laughs> questions or you know, oh, wow, wow, I didn't know that. No, nothing like that. It, I, but but in speaking it out loud, I you know I took off that mask because what had been going on for all those years. Is hiding, not being honest with myself, and I was carrying around all that guilt and shame from the divorces and the addictions. Um, um, you know, you know, all that time, I, I, I'd been living the Christian Christian life in my own strength, in my in my own flesh. Uh, uh, but in that moment, I was set free from guilt and shame, and it, it, what what that has done is, is 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 freed me up to love better. Amen. Amen. Than before, I, I don't have that in my makeup any longer, uh, and, and and it has freed me up to live from my perfect heart, not my not my head. But my, but my perfect heart, which is which is what uh, the, the the message is all about. So here we go. Um, we oh, need you're to re- still going. We, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 wrapping it up. All right. We you know. We need to, we need to receive grace. I've come to believe that there's nothing that can change the way that Jesus loves me or you. I belong to Him. Yes, and so do you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I don't want to abuse his grace, but I need it every moment of every day. It's the only thing that really makes me want to change. And here's a little imagery for you. His forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey. It's like a symphony in my ears. It's like holy water on my skin. It's also said of love. Love, you can be loved but not known. Known but not loved, that is a fearsome place. We don't, we, you know, to be loved and, and, and not known is, is something that we would all fear. Uh, to be loved but not known uh, uh, is comfortable, but it's superficial. To be fully known and truly loved, that's the way God looks at us and we can look at each other that way as well. We can know each other fully and we Amen. can truly love. love each other. Amen. Amen. I'm done.
0: You, I love you Al. You uh, you're one of the greatest deacons that we have in this body just loving on people and encouraging people. I appreciate that. Oh come on. I got no no I got to go on man. I, I, I meant, We're I over this, time.
1: I, I mentioned this earlier. I, I, I just got to Chris leave me alone. We're running funny. out of time. This is for my daughter, uh, uh, Kara, back there. It, 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 it's the family. My family as well has accepted me and loved me through all of this. And and I just want to
0: publicly thank them for that. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. Uh, this is my friend, Brent Sutton. He is my uh, baseball cohort. uh travels with me, but... Um, So he probably hears more of the junk, Levener junk, than anybody else in this room. Uh, But you're going through a season and understanding what you know now. How are you getting through this season?
6: Uh, I'm getting through the season okay. (laughs) Um, Thanks for taking the time out because I don't have, I'm done. (laughs) You said it all. No, I appreciate that you are an encouragement to me. Um, I'm currently uh, in the midst of a divorce after twenty seven years, and uh, it's difficult. I know Al you said you've been through it. I know that all of everyone in this room has been through uh, different trials and tribulations. Um, one thing that that Romans has shown me through this um, you know it's it seems like. I've joked with Rusty, like, whenever we do a Roman study, whether it's here in Levner or in small groups, um, man, the spiritual warfare is real. And I know that probably sounds crazy to a lot of folks in here, and I'll be glad to uh, talk with you offline sometime on that. But uh, it's definitely real. Um, You know, going through the season that I'm going through now, um, it's difficult enough at the same time, you know, I get a call from, uh, from uh, my mother who's in a uh, nursing home, and, you know, they tell me that they, uh, they're going to put her in hospice care and, uh, you know, just rapid decline. Um, so I would say that one thing, I mean, I don't know what to say or what to do anymore, and, and that's my, my daily prayer is, um, Lord, give me the words. Well, I don't know what to say and what to do. I, I, you have to do it through me. Because uh, if I do it in my own strength, um, first of all, it's not going to look pretty. (laughs) And uh, secondly, I'd probably be in bigger trouble um, than I I am. But going through um, Romans, at the same time dealing with the spiritual warfare, there is a piece that when you study Romans and even the first four uh, chapters, um, that, like we've done here, and I made a comment to Rusty, um, even studying these chapters on my own and, and having done the study a few times, that reading it by myself, the words are kind of jumbled to me. Like I know what it says, like I've done Bob's study, and he does a great job breaking it down, so even um, non-intellectuals like myself can understand it, um, all I can can really say is, is what I guess on that that along those tracking those same lines is is that without the community of believers figuring out this journey together and figuring out Romans and God's gift of grace and what that means is is so freeing, um, even in in what seems like your darkest days when you don't know what to say or do, and you've done everything you could possibly do. I'm going to beat you, Dave. Um You're good. And through my strength, it's not enough. It has to be through him. And uh, um, that's the real deal. And I could not go through this season um, without the support of – Everyone in this room, uh, my friend Al, on an almost daily ba- basis, sends me a message or sees me in person and tells me and reminds me that I'm uh, holy and blameless. And uh, going through the first four chapters, I know we're running out of time, especially with Brandon coming up and they're going to open for business here. But um, um, my baseball wife here, I, I, I get to travel with him, and, and I'm a sports guy. And of course, I come in today, and he says, "Really? You you wore this? You wore that sweatshirt?" And and I'm not really a Cubs fan, right? But I told him, I said, well, uh, "This sweatshirt spoke to me this morning." And I go and how I got this sweatshirt is another story. But anyways, you know, this team up north in Chicago, when they win, they fly the W, right? And even as going through seasons of whether it's illness, divorce. Um, losing loved ones, death, all of those things. Romans, the first four chapters says, we don't have to wait. We can fly the W now. It's it's done. It, one time, he's taken residence up in all of us, and we just let him, let him live through us. And I was talking with Al this week, another great discussion, and then I'll pass this thing on, but... Um, It's like, when do you, is it a mindset? I mean, I don't know. Like, when does this switch flip on? Like, I understand. um, I grew up in a church, but it was all about, like many of us, the laws and and rules and figuring out how do I do this, you know, and getting beat up because I can't do it. So is it a mindset that we kind of understand? And Al reminded me. Uh, this week that it 's not the mindset it 's the spirit in us, and it 's a heart set because he 's given us a new ho- new heart that 's our core that 's how we live that 's what beats that 's what gives us uh, life and we got a new heart it 's in us, and we just have to follow that heart so um, that 's all I got man man
0: you guys for not wanting to be up here, sure are enjoying being up here <laughs> Danny, Danny, you had a ton of questions. I think most of them were rhetorical, but uh, pick up the microphone and you ask these questions. If I'm righteous by faith, what is going on when I commit a sin? Isn't God upset or mad at me at the least? I I could spend a whole message on that. But if you want to like unpack where you are with this whole thing and I mean, give us a Danny perspective.
7: All right. Um so I'll just kind of try to summarize cuz I know we're we're long and running out of time. But um so all of this discussion about Romans chapter 4 and we've heard for the last 4 weeks it's um it's building a foundation. So you've heard the phrase faith journey. We're really talking about maturing in the faith, right? So 1 John chapter 2 is kind of a picture of maturing in Christ. Babies In Jesus we know Jesus right Jesus that's all you need to know now if we want to move on to maturing in the faith and mature in that journey of getting to know God um, there's some key verses and this is just to embarrass Rusty because he tries to pass these out all the time so I I printed off and stapled some verses that are good to plant in your brain pie Uh, if you want to come get some of these feel free to take take a few copies just like watching a scary movie, stuff sticks in your brain. I tried, I tried to fill my head with some of these important verses. One of them that came along for me early was uh, Galatians 3, uh, the first few verses. It's kind of like, hey, knucklehead, um, Jesus, by the Spirit, saved you and brought you to him. So you think you're now, you think after that point, you're going to figure out things in your own strength? I don't think so. There's another important verse that's laying a foundation like these four, first four chapters in Romans is laying a foundation. Um, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And later on in Romans, in the next few weeks, you're going to hear about this stuff where they're talking about a wife and a husband and dead and dying and how a contract doesn't apply to you anymore if you die. What? What? He's not talking about marriage. He's not talking about relationship. He's talking about the old covenant. He's talking about the, the Big Ten. He's talking about the 600 laws. I, I'm dead. It doesn't apply to me anymore. And I can rest in that? Well, what do I do now? What the heck do I do now? I'm free in Christ. I can do anything I want to do? What? <laughs> really? I can do anything I want to do? <laughs> My wife shakes her head, because I do a lot of goofy stuff.
0: I shake my head.
7: I know. I know. I know. You good? Yeah.
0: All right. I'm going to, Brandon, pick it up. We, we've we heard about your Lutheran background and growing up, but uh, just in the last five, six years things uh you've become I've called him a Jesus freak. He's a Jesus freak and uh yeah, it's fun. Yeah, um look, it, it, this
3: is uh it, it's been the it's obviously been the best thing for me. We uh we've talked about this at a uh, will re- re- rephrase this our life study on Fridays that's bible supported. <laughs> Stepdad, KD came up with that. So, but anyways, it, I mean, the, you know, this journey has been, um, uh, it's been amazing. I and I was sitting here trying to think how can I sum this up in you know short order. Uh, so I've had in my life really three experiences with Christ. The first two I thought were really cool. They were really cool. The first time was when uh, I knew I was going to marry my amazing wife. Um, Sherry and uh, I couldn't deny it and I thought oh wow that was that was really great I you know kind of what we were talking about feeling like you're living good and all that you know I was like oh great thanks that was really cool and the second time was when we had our son Austin and uh, I had had prayed I grew up in a divorced family super support so much love but I had always prayed as a kid like I was really I really want to know what a family's like like normal dinner family right And uh, so I woke up one morning, 737 in the morning, you know, looked at Sherry. I was getting I heard Austin crying and 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 he was standing at the end of my bed and he said, you know, you know what it's like to be in a family now. It may not have been what I had thought when I was praying and as a kid, the traditional way. But it just, you know, it overwhelmed me. And again, I was like, oh, thanks. That was that was really cool, you know, and really appreciated it. But until uh, May fifteenth, twenty fifteen, um, man, that was a different. That was a different. That was a different deal. And uh, Rusty had we had met a, a ton of times. I lost my brother January twenty first, twenty fifteen, to suicide, and uh, it was an event in my life, big event. Um, but we had we had hung out, and so he's like, "Hey, man, I want you to listen to this series on grace," and he gave it to me like in gosh, I don't know, early February or somewhere like that. And this was May, and I was going to Detroit, so I was like, man, I want to listen to that series on grace. So a lot of really cool stuff in it. The first story reconnected me with one of my first neighbors here in Fishers, uh, Eric and Jen Robinson. Um, hadn't seen them for 16 years, and the first story on there was Jen and Eric just smoked me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So coming home, um, I was coming home from Detroit, and the second story on there was uh, Keith and Rick Underhill. And, uh, man, it just stopped me dead in my tracks on on 69. And, and the reason it did was is because I think what I realized was is that I am not in control. I cannot control. And uh, as as he was sitting here, like, these guys are sitting here beside me, man, he just looked at me and said, I don't want you to sweat this anymore. He's like, he just hugged me and loved on me, and I tell people I was baptized that day. I was baptized as a baby in my Lutheran faith, but um, there was everything there that a baptism truly is. There was enough water for my eyes, because I sat there for 15 minutes probably and cried like a 10-year-old or a 5-year-old or whatever. Uh, There was a white cloth with my business shirt, and there was the highest of highest priests in Jesus Christ that just said, I love you, and I don't want you to sweat this anymore. And what it did to me and what it did for us and what it did for the big picture of things, you guys all know this, Rusty will tell you to kind of click the Zoom finder out a little bit, right? But what it did for, you know, me and my wife and just the season that we were going through um, and what it did for her, I mean, and I could go on for two hours today telling you about stories of what's happened and what Christ has done for me personally, and what it's done for our family, and what it's done for the bigger picture of things. But I tell these guys on Fridays, man, I mean, I'm just a free-loving hippie, man, but I'm a bit of a Jesus freak today because I don't have any reason not to be. Mm. I mean, he loves me that much. He's done so much for me. Um, And I'll end on this. Uh, Rusty shared a verse with me in Romans 7.20. And it unpacked a lot of things that I was challenged with just around anger and forgiveness and things like that because I had a ton of that going on. And it's not, you know, it, it says basically it's not you who sins, it's it that dwells within you. And that just, like, opened my eyes so big to, like, it's, it's not this, this guy, this thing that you see walking around that walked in here late today. Uh, it, it's not that that distracts and takes you down those flesh roads. Um, it's it that does with me. We talk a lot about this every Friday. And, and I think that just this overall, this community, I thank every one of you all in here. This, this has been the biggest impact on my personal life. I look out at all the faces and I see, I see when I look out like going to the banquet, they say, hey, do you guys see this? You see it out there? The first time I went through the banquet, I was like, what are they talking about? I'm looking around like, these guys, I don't know what they're talking about. I see it today. And it's in all of you, and it's in all of us, and i'm just I'm just grateful for it it's awesome
0: the uh The thing that you talked about uh, let me say this, there's the sovereignty of God that I can't explain. It's kind of like the glory of God. I can't explain why God does things, doesn't do things and but you you talk about the death of your brother, the suicide of your brother uh I don't think that was part of God's plan. I don't think the divorces were part of god's plan i I don't I think God created this world perfectly. sin entered the world, and now we're dealing with the repercussions of sin and what God does is in his sovereignty, he comes along and he walks with us, and he uses those occasions those those losses, those grief moments those stressful moments. those He uses those moments and makes a beautiful story out of it. As sad and as hurtful, grieving it, it is, uh, He gives us the W. Yeah. He gives us the W. And um, it's Him that does it. And so I'm thankful for uh, these men. I'm thankful for you peoples, uh, just what God's doing in you and through you and watching it there's so many more stories in this room and we could have sat up here with each one of these for an hour and it would have been awesome just to talk about what God's doing but you you've got through the first 4 chapters of Romans now we're getting into like the personal application how does it the question Danny was asking it's like uh so I'm forgiven I'm redeemed but I still sin what's the deal we're gonna get into that we're going to chapter five um so next week, you ready, Kevin? You get one verse to deal with that's it we we're kevin willard is is next Sunday, and then uh Ed hens is coming up after that and so i'm I'm really excited Kevin is gonna do uh chapter five verse one, and then Ed's gonna pick up verses two and through five uh the the next week. And we'll just keep going. That We've got it all mapped out. It's going through June or whatever. And then um, we'll get back to Romans chapter 9, which you can be praying for that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know, if some of you laugh in this room, I laugh too. But uh, it's going to be a great experience. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're taking it with us. And um, Lord, today, your word is Jesus. And it is alive and well in each of us in this room that believe in you. So I trust that you will continue to do your work, that you will continue to work through us, in us, that we can rest and we can just hang out with you and enjoy the adventure, whatever it is. But I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Thank you for today and these stories and these, these men that uh, are the light of the world. You've made them the light of the world. And so, uh, I love you, and I thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. I love you. See you next Sunday right here.